Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. So in terms of providing your content, you want to be making it very relevant, uh, but it should be grounded in what I call sense making and road mapping. So helping making sense of the situation where they're at currently and where they're looking to grow and providing them with a bit of sense of, well, what is it going to take? How are they going to get there? What are some of those steps involved? And then in, in, in the course of that, you can demonstrate how your organization may help them to achieve that. Welcome back. I hope you've had a fantastically awesome week so far. If you haven't heard my recent conversations with founder of Podmatch, Alex Sanfilippo, and with the author of The Human Factor, David Chantal, then do go listen in. They're well worth it. But stay here first and listen in to today's conversation before you go there. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Michael Haynes. Michael is a small business growth specialist and the author of Listen, Innovate, Grow. Michael spent over 23 years working in a variety of strategy, marketing and customer insight roles with large corporate companies across a range of industries in Australia and Canada. During his time working for Australia's largest telecommunications company as a customer research and strategy manager, he experienced firsthand how big corporations utilise innovation to increase growth with business customers. Now, Michael empowers service-based small and medium companies with buyer-centric strategies to achieve the growth and impact that they seek. In our conversation today, Michael talked to me about leveraging business innovation across multiple sectors. We talked about road mapping and sense making instead of content vomit. And we talked about really listening to your customers and to the industry. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Michael Haynes. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from the same time zone as I'm in, but a little bit up the road from Sydney in Australia, Michael Hayes of the Listen, Innovate, Grow business, and they work with B2B startups and small to medium enterprises to help them identify and implement strategic growth business opportunities, as well as innovate in their business. Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Michael. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you for having me. Great to, to be here. 
Now, you're the founder of the business and the principal consultant there. You've also written a, a fantastic book of the same name, Listen, Innovate, Grow, which is a guidebook that kind of helps startups and small to medium enterprises grow their base, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really keen to dig further into that today and, yeah. and find out a little bit more about all the innovation and ideas that you have for small business. But before we do that, what's, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Michael? Um, what's the impact that I'm making in the world today? I guess I sum it up in one word. My overarching theme and reason for being is about is to empower. It's to empower uh, SME leaders um, to build and grow the businesses and lives they seek. Uh, and that can be done through B2B, empowering aspiring entrepreneurs um, to help them see the opportunities and provide them some insights, guidance, and support and motivation to, again, build uh, the businesses and lives that they see. So really empowering is my is my big theme and my big focus in helping um, our peeps of small and medium businesses um, globally. Mm, that's great. I love it. And empowering, you, you kind of take the philosophy of teach Amanda fish and you feed him for a lifetime, right? Yes, I, I, I truly believe it's about empowering, giving them the, the knowledge, um, tools, advice, support, because um, there's lots of opportunities. I'm a very big believer that, you know, um, B2B is the way to be for, you know, SME uh, business owners, leaders to, you know, have build the businesses, lives, impact that they ultimately want it to achieve. It can be done through B2B if you understand and know how to navigate this uh, landscape, which is quite challenging on some levels, but also can present massive opportunities as well. Hmm, love it. All right. Now, one of the things you mentioned in, in some of the material you sent me before the podcast is that uh, you think the reason why focusing, well, there's a reason why focusing on the customer alone is insufficient to succeed in B2B and, and grow the business. So I was curious about that. Tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. So one of the fundamental differences, Jurgen, between, you know, B2B, so selling your products, services, and solutions to other businesses, as opposed to selling your services to individuals, B2C, is that in the business-to-business context, you're going to be, um, you're selling to a group. There'll be a number of individuals um, involved in the buying process. Hence, when you're developing your marketing, sales strategies, looking how you grow the business, it's not enough to say what customers you're going to go after. So, for example, let's say you're an SME IT company that does um, cybersecurity um, uh, IT strategy services, and you want to sell into the likes of a Qantas or an American Airlines. Qantas American Airlines is the customer. It's not enough just to understand at an organizational level who they are, what are their goals and objectives. But if you're that SME, that IT firm, and you're trying to sell into, let's say, the um, IT division within Qantas Airways, we need to know who are going to be those decision makers, those um, decision makers that make the yes or no go decision, whether or not they're going to buy from your IT firm, but also those who are influencing the decision. So those who provide the, the recommendations, the shortlist, the opinions to those decision makers, all of those people constitute the buying group. And so in B2B, we have to understand at a buyer level. So you're targeting that IT firm that's targeting Qantas Airways. We not need to only understand Qantas, but within that IT division who we're actually trying to sell into, we need to understand who those individuals are, what are their motivators, drivers, and priorities. Hence, you have to be operating and thinking at a buyer level as opposed to just a customer level. 
in B2B. It's a subtle distinction, but it's a very important one though as well. Yeah, that, that makes absolute sense. And I think, you know, you you raised something there that I talk about all the time, which is, you know, whether you're selling B2B or B2C, so business to business or business to customer, you're actually selling to humans. So, and and the humans in this case are the decision makers that you've just outlined. So the it might be the head of the IT department and his motivation is probably to solve a problem that you have a solution for, but it's also to look good in the eyes of his boss. It's also to um, maybe give himself more free time because there's less problems that he has to deal with and stay late to deal with those problems and, and a whole lot of things that, that might be going on for them. And then then there's other people involved. So there's probably, if it's a big, a big purchase, he might have to get sign up from uh, more or a higher person in the authoritative um, chain or the hierarchy of the company. So understanding what motivates them and what drives them is really important too. So yeah, I love that because it comes back to this idea of we're selling to human beings. And just to add to that point, yes, yeah, so it's really understanding who those decision makers are, what are their priorities, but also you're going to understand how they buy. So, you know, those different individuals involved in the decision making, they may have uh, it's about enabling those buyers and providing them the right kinds of tools, information, guidance that they're looking for. You might have some individuals that might be big around doing, you know, case study, looking at case studies, uh, looking at performance stats. Others, they want to be looking at um, blog articles and listening to um, podcasts. Business buyers do a lot of self-servicing uh, in terms of research gathering and information sorting in advance. You need to understand who those buyers are, what sorts of things they utilize as part of their decision making, informing them and making sure you're providing those uh, those tools, resources to those buyers where they seek for information. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. So it it comes back. I mean, we, we do a lot of work on this whole idea of understanding who the buyer is and what their decision making process is, what motivates them what their fears and frustrations are and how they make decisions, how they buy. And um, that's, well, it's not easy to do, actually. It's quite tricky to do, but it's a lot easier when it's one person you're thinking of. Um, when it's an organisation, I mean, clearly starting off with understanding what's their business about and what, what's the culture of the business and what's the purpose of the business is important. I mean, that's that's kind of you've got to have that to play the game um, but the next level is really understanding those individuals that are the decision makers yeah, absolutely and, and for small and medium businesses you're going i always tell them to start with you know start with your current client base um you know start with those existing clients um and start having you know, having discussions with those key stakeholders that you have within those organizations because that's where you're going to learn a lot around you know, where the business is at, where those businesses are at, where they're going, what are their priorities are. And so even if you only have one or two key stakeholders within your current client, having discussions with them um, will give a wealth of information and will also give insights as to who else has to be involved in the decision-making that you need to take mm. into account. So your, your current uh, client base, your current prospect base is an excellent starting point to really gaining some of those key insights that you need to help define how you're going to take your business forward. Mm, yeah, great advice. Talk to your existing customers. It, it, it's, it's a wealth of in, information yeah. and it will really steer you in the right direction. And if you're limited on resources um, in terms of time, money, 
it's a very useful and effective way to really give you some very uh, effective grassroots research understanding of what, what's really happening and where you need to focus. Mm, great. Okay. Um, now, you talked a little bit about different preferences for people to do their research, understand you know, what, what it is they, they're considering buying. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned in some of the information you sent through was this idea of content vomit that a lot of businesses just put out so much content that it's kind of totally overwhelming. Tell us a little bit more about you know this concept or this fallacy of we put out a lot of content and then people will buy. And also, you know, tell us what's a better approach, what's a more strategic approach. Okay, so Jurgen, content vomit is a is a term I kind of came up with earlier this year. Um, in B2B, it's been very typical for decision makers and influencers. One of the key characteristics is that they like to do their own research um, before they want to speak to any sales representative. With all that's happened over the 12, 18 months um, and people working remotely and the whole you know, digital online becoming much more prevalent, you know, a lot of the gurus and the experts said, you've got to put content out there. So there has been this barrage of content, um, you know, uh, web papers, case studies, all these different things that have just been um, bombarding decision-making uh, stakeholders because there's so much online that they don't know what to do with because it's all seeming to come from reputable sources. Some of it's uh, contradictory. But it, it, it's overwhelming. And Gartner has actually done a study on this. And I think it's something like 60% of B2B buyers are overwhelmed and bombarded and confused by the amount of content in existence. Um, what what decision makers are looking for, so what are those, you know, BB buyers are looking for is they're really looking for what I call sense making and road mapping. So what they want to know is, so you as a product service provider, they want you to come into the organization and really be that advisor partner to say what makes sense for them, given where they're trying to go, what they're trying to achieve, you know, what, you know, what are the insights that they should be paying attention to? Um, you know, what is all this noise that's out there? What parts of it are relevant, makes sense, and what are the implications in terms of how they take their businesses moving forward? Because one of the things that business buyers are looking for is not just looking at immediate um, solving of immediate problems that, and challenges that they have, but they also want that forward-looking advice and guidance that's going to help them take their businesses forward, navigate moving forward. So in terms of providing your content, you want to be making it very relevant uh, but it should be grounded in what I call sense-making and road-mapping. So helping making sense of the situation where they're at currently and where they're looking to go and providing them with a bit of sense of, well, what is it going to take? How are they going to get there? What are some of those ste steps involved? Um, and then in, in, in the course of that, you can demonstrate how your organization may help them to achieve that. So your content now really has to be around sense-making and road-mapping. And Jurgen, that also means marketing and sales need to be working together. Um, marketing should be taking the lead by understanding the customers, the industries, the markets that they operate, what kinds of content based on those markets, those customers, those buyers. Uh, but sales needs to be involved as well because eventually when you have those discussions um, with your clients and prospects, they need to be very strategic discussions, again, grounded in that sense-making and road mapping, you know, presenting opportunities to them, telling them what makes sense. And providing, again, that bit of that roadmap of, of how to take the business forward, because that's what business buyers are looking for, that confidence, clarity, and a bit of roadmapping as to what do I need to do, given all of this state of flux as we're coming into this new norm. That's what, that's what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, lo I love the idea of, um, you know, there's this term content curation, and I think that that's something that is still a huge opportunity for people if it's done well. And I love the way you put it there in terms of, you know, making sense of all the information's out there and, and presenting a roadmap. So here's, uh, of course, that means you have to really understand the issue, right? That um, the ideal buyer is faced with and saying, well, here's, here's a roadmap how we suggest you look through this issue and here's some resources that we've we think are valid some of them might be our resources some of them are probably other resources but we've um we've pulled them out and highlighted them as authoritative and valuable uh, so you're gonna you're you're you hit on a few things exactly right you do have to have that depth of understanding and it is about being that advisor to say you know what makes sense what are the various um, information sources, various options out there, which would be not only your own, but potentially third party. And what makes sense for you, uh, I'll use my Qantas example, Mr. Qantas IT potential client in terms of taking your business forward. These are the particular resources or insights that are most relevant for you. And what it means is that, you know, your steps should be A, B, and C. So you're exactly right. You have to have that depth of understanding and you need to be acting as that advisor, which is not all about showcasing just your approaches, but also bringing to bear third-party insights, other alternatives, and help helping them to demonstrate how to move forward. Because it's about giving them that guidance, giving them that confidence and trust. That's what they're looking for. So you you hit that um, spot on. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about innovation. What what's because. Um, you know, I've got lots of stories about innovation in the large business world, and and we we all know, you know, well publicised stories about successes and failures of innovation in the business world. What's what are some smart strategies with innovation that small businesses can can use or implement? Um, great question, Jurgen. So in terms of innovation, it's about business innovation, and so. Uh, I'm very big on making sure that my clients clearly understand when we're talking about business innovation, we're talking about making new introductions and or improvements across your business uh, in conjunction with market, customer, buyer need. And in terms of business innovation, you have five kinds of business innovation that you might leverage. And like I said, these are new introductions and or improvements. So it could be minor changes uh, or they could be more significant but you wanna be looking holistically across your business. So it could be product innovation in terms of new product line extensions, improvements, um, uh, service innovations in terms of new kinds of services that you may be adding, um, new service levels, new service experiences, uh, new kinds of, of customer support. You've got process innovation. So can you be making changes in terms of your processes and your systems? Organizational innovation, Jurgen, and I believe organizational innovation when we're looking at potentially outsourcing, uh, collaborations and strategic partnerships, which we could be with your with some of your customers, some of your suppliers, uh, other people within your industry in terms of how you can collaborate and work with to deliver to the needs of those target customers, those target buyers. And then there's marketing innovation in terms of, and in that context, I talk about introducing some B2B specific strategies that you can implement in your organization to better serve the needs of those clients and customers. For example, account-based marketing strategies commonly referred to as ABN marketing. 
influence, micro-influencer strategy, advocacy marketing. So it's looking across those five types of innovations in conjunction with having an in-depth understanding of, those, of the needs of those industries, geographic markets, and customers and buyers that you're serving. Where can you make changes across one or more of those five different elements in order to meet customer needs, which is going to hopefully help you acquire clients, retain, grow those clients, and grow the business. So that's what I mean by uh, innovation, business innovation. So looking beyond just features and technology um, yeah. across those five dimensions. And they might be minor incremental changes that you might get uh, from seeing what other companies are doing within your industry, seeing what's being done in other industries, or it could be more significant ones. But it, it doesn't have to be the big disruptive. We've created the big new thing. We have the new big disruptive technology, which is what most people think about when they talk about innovation. And innovation, yeah, right. final point, Jurgen, is very important because they've done studies about high growth firms. So who are the firms, the companies that are getting 20% or more year on year growth over a three year period? And high growth firms are those that innovate in at least two areas over and above product. So they're making changes, introducing new marketing strategies, getting in different kinds of collaborations, changing their processes and systems. So um, it is a, it, it's a necessary component if you want to drive growth in your business. You need to be making those changes, those improvements um, across the business. Again, defined and driven by market customer slash buyer need. Mm, yeah, that's that's brilliant. I, I love so much about that. And there's two really important points for me there. I think the one is what you mentioned near the end about it's not a, necessarily about the big disruptive change. It's about constant and never I mean, I love this canny concept from Japan, you know, constant and never ending improvement. And the idea of people searching for that big disruptive innovation, they often forget about the sort of the small incremental improvements that that they could be making along the way until they find that disruptive innovation. And even by making those small incremental improvements that they, they could actually identify, hey, here's, here is that innovation rather than just um, ignore the small improvements and, and focus on the search for the big thing. Well, well, Jürgen, I'll give an ex a live example of that, of how a small, relatively small innovation can lead to massive change. So I have an insurance firm in Canada who they decided as part of their marketing, as part of their business innovation was going to be marketing innovation. One, niching down and servicing some uh, three or four key, very niche segments, which from an insurance perspective weren't well served. And they developed new product solutions. So they've got insurance solutions tailored very much for uh, dental, dental, funeral, construction. I can't remember the fourth one. But so, you know, um, so and very much leveraging a lot of their existing offerings packaging them together, putting on a few additional add-ons to service the needs of the buyer, so providing opportunities for executive level engagement, et cetera. And they've created a you know, dental insurance package, a funeral service package that is very tailored. So that mm -hmm. is an example of a, a business innovation, innovating across from a marketing slash product innovation, we're gonna put labels on it. Uh, yeah. This has allowed them to, uh, to acquire a number of new clients. And in terms of the growth of the business, the, the organization now, Plating, is now growing exponentially and doing extremely well by taking the strategy of niching down and specializing and then coming up with the bundled solutions that are tailored um, to the needs of those specific target segments in the market they've decided to serve. So that's just an example of innovating 
on a couple of ways incrementally, but yet mm. it's delivered massive uh, impact on their finances in terms of new client acquisition, retention, and the overall revenues and growth of the business. Yeah, I, I love that so much. I mean, I always talk about the power of focus and uh, and every time you focus more narrowly and put all your energy into that focus, it, it um, a lot of people think that you miss out on other stuff, but it actually has the opposite effect. It actually brings about a change like you've just described. The the other, and you know, you clearly um, connected that then to a marketing innovation and a product innovation. The other thing I like about your strategy also is is the not just focus a lot of businesses say well okay we need to be innovative what what new products can we bring on the market or what new services can we bring on the market but there's so many different aspects so i like that you emphasized hey the you know you can innovate in how you do your marketing you can innovate on how you run your business you can innovate on how you organize your business you can innovate on on your processes which you know there is so much opportunity there to either grow the business or save money or save time and which you can then invest in other areas um and and also in yeah the, the whole idea of introductions and and jv opportunities yeah um yeah going back to that the, the jv opportunities i think that is a real big one um, that I think presents massive opportunities for small, medium-sized businesses to be thinking about, you know, how can you collaborate with another organization that has the same target audience um, that you're looking to serve? So, for example, let's say you're a, you're a marketing you're a marketing agency firm partnering with the likes of, let's say, a small IT firm. If you're both targeting mid-market organizations, what are the opportunities for you to collaborate to join forces? You might um, conduct some sort of breakfast kind of workshop event, for example, where you're both delivering value um, and inviting the same set of, of, of customers. So that's one thing you could be possibly doing. You might co-collaborate yet yeah, to creating content. Um, so there's often opportunities uh, in terms of how you can be collaborating with um, other service providers, collaborating with some of your customers as well. Um, I have a market research technology company that collaborated with one of their key customers to develop a very tailored knowledge and reporting system and which they they created for that specific customer but then now they're able to use that as part of their growth strategy because now with just a few um, modifications on the front end they're now able to use that and now what was created for the grocery segment they're now rolling that out to other retail segments and other sectors as well so collaborating with your customer in terms of creating a solution but keeping in mind how might be able to able to modify and replicate that. I think multi-tenanting is the term so we can serve other industry and other industry customer segments are just some other examples of how you that collaborative effort, um, I think, is a really big underused opportunity as a form of innovation that every small, medium sized business um, can undertake. That's low cost, but can be highly impactful, even just joining forces to create content, you know. Um, you know, putting on a podcast together, putting on an event together to tap into the same customer base. Things like that are very low cost, but, be, but can be very impactful in terms of acquiring new customers, um, servicing your current ones. It, it can have massive impact. Mm -hmm. oh, well, there's lots of ideas there for people to uh, check out some further and explore. Um, one of the things you mentioned is talking to customers and, and talking to 
well, the example there, talk, talking to your customers and looking to explore, can we work together on this and does this open up other opportunities for us? And and I know one of the things you're really strong on is listening and and that conversation actually leading to a learning. So tell us a little bit more about what your philosophy is around that. Yeah, so so uh, Jürgen, I'm very big about listening is the foundation and it's a starting point to determine, yeah, it's, I know, you know, how are we going to, it's going to give you your growth plan. It gives you the basis for your growth plan, your action plans, but it's that listening, having that in-depth understanding. Small, medium businesses, yes, we know they're tight on time, tight on budget, but a good practical place to start is, is to print off a list of who are your top 10 customers? Who are those top 10 customers, top 10 clients? You know, uh, and you need to be scheduling and having discussions with, you know, one, ideally multiple stakeholders in that, um, within those organizations. Um, and you can, do, whether it be face-to-face -face or in Zoom and having those discussions, which should be a two-way dialogue so that you can understand and learn what are their priorities, their challenges, where are they looking to go? And similarly, you can share with them where you're at, what you're looking to do. Having those, those in-depth conversations, which you do want to document. So, you know, you, you, you know, get that list of 10, of 10, uh, organizations, schedule those, whether it be face-to-face, -face, Zoom type meetings, have those kinds of, uh, discussions, questions, uh, and have that dialogue, recording that dialogue. But then the key you're going to, is to share that back in the organization. So shortly after you've had that, um, workshop style meeting, which I often have with my clients do, going back to your team and say, these are the learnings we just talked to our top five um, clients. These are some of the issues. This is what they're looking to do. Okay, now what does that mean from a product perspective, operations perspective, service perspective? What can we, what are we doing right? What do we need to be doing differently or better? Are there some things that we really need to be working on in terms of coming up with some new, let's say, value add service support services or um, providing more opportunities for engagement, what have you. Then that's how you start having the discussions within the business to determine what are the opportunities and areas of focus. So having those discussions and making sure you're having those discussions regularly, particularly with those top, you know, I'll call it your top 10 um, clients and customers that you have currently, and then leveraging and sharing those learnings in a meeting workshop environment. That's how you get the listening to come to life and you start determining what are the priorities and what are the areas of focus. Mm, yeah, I love it. You've just given me a, an idea. <laughs> I'll, I'll fly this one by you and um, if people want to steal it, feel free, go ahead. Um, the you, you talked about having those conversations. So it's, it's a couple of people having a conversation like we are here now mm. and we're recording this conversation. So you could run it as a podcast or a video um, recording session that you then share internally in both organizations as a, a private conversation and because other people within so if I'm the service provider and you're the client and I'm having the conversation with you I'll take away my insights from our conversation I can listen back to the conversation and I might get some additional insights but then other people in my organization will listen to our conversation and will gain more insights than than i would yeah and and so you know this could contribute to a whole lot of ideas hey here's here's how we can keep michael happy or here's some new stuff we could offer michael because you know clearly he's he's after x and y no that, that that's a great um suggestion because it is about sharing those learnings across the different functional groups in the organization because your clients and customers will say we need x we, we want y mm. but you need your subject matter experts in product 
learning and development operations to say, oh, but here are the operational constraints, considerations, what are the required workarounds, what are the roadblocks? Because you have to get into the detail to know where and how to execute or if you can execute, if you should execute. So it, it, it's about the listening is one thing, but to your point, yes, sharing that information with those um, cross-functional experts, because that's when we have to start getting into the weeds to say what's feasible, what's possible, what's going to be required in terms of time, effort, and investment. Mm, mm, great. I love it. All right. Now, one of the things, I mean, we talked before we got onto the recording about um, we're both in in states where there's still lockdown due to COVID and um, you know we've been in this pandemic for nearly two years now. What what are some of the things that you think businesses, small small business in particular, need to do to kind of come out of this pandemic on the other side in a better way that they were beforehand and, and also to realize the opportunities and the changed environment that we find ourselves in? Uh, well, I would say, without hopefully sounding repetitive, it goes back to listening. So to really come out well, my recommendation would be get your list of those top 10 customers and schedule some meetings with them fairly soon um, because the world has changed. Lots has changed even in the last six months. Um, I know with with my own practice, going through my own list and looking at key stakeholders, people have changed. People have moved companies and have gone on. So you want to be making sure that you're having meetings with the current key stakeholders in the organization um, because A, those people have changed. And even if they haven't, their priorities, their focus, as they're starting to look at 2022 and beyond, may be changing. So you want to make sure you have an update understanding of who are the key stakeholders stakeholders are, what are their priorities, requirements, and areas of focus. So that would be, I would say, is really step number one, having uh, some of those conversations. And I think now, given the timing that we're at, is prime time. Um, second, I would say is I'm a big believer in staying really tuned into your in relevant industry uh, and professional associations of those that are relevant to your target industries, um, being tapped into those. So, you know, as they have their publications, webinars, and events, um, being tapped into those because that will give you an ear as to what's going on in the mm. industry at a broader level. What are the priorities? What are the requirements? What are the challenges as people are trying to come out of lockdown moving into 2022? So it's that listening on two levels. So talking to your customers, your buyers, the stakeholders, listening to them, and even having just a handful of discussions will be quite useful. And then listening to the market through by tapping into some of your relevant industry and professional associations, particularly for those key client and customers, you know, just as much as simply taking a look at through their industry, you know, their monthly periodicals, if they've got some relevant events coming up, you know, um, listening in on a couple of those. So you have your ear on the ground. So, you know, both from a customer perspective, but from an industry perspective, what's going on and where things are going. Two great places to start. To, so that you can then start having those workshops, meetings, and discussions with your team as to how to take the business forward. What do you need to be doing? Mm, great advice. I love it. Um, all right. Well, this has been fabulous, Michael. I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the idea is that you'll give us some tips that'll inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. Okay. Sounds good. What do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Um, it, it needs to be listening. 
uh, and as I've just said, talking to your uh, clients, top clients and customers, your contacts, and um, tapping into your relevant groups and communities like your industry and professional associations. So that listening, doing those two things are the are the first two steps to be um, getting on your way to being innovative. Love it, yeah. And yeah, you've already given us the answer to that, but um, thanks for summarizing it and reinforcing it. My pleasure. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, I'm a big believer in practicing what I preach. So I myself am tapped into a number of uh, industry professional associations. Um, I've joined a couple of mastermind groups where I can be uh, interacting with some of my peers um, to get both inspiration and ideas and advice. Uh, and I also have a business advisor as well um, because I need to be at the top of my game. I'm looking to grow my own practice. So, um, yeah, so tapping into masterminds, communities, and also to having an advisor for my own business to give that third party view um, is been extremely helpful because you need that third party mm. view, um, that objective third party view uh, to really help guide you. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And you, you, you've focused very much on getting a lot of external input and insights that that you can then and we talked about curation before but you, you're bringing in all this input and content that you then curate and um, take the best best parts out to build your own innovation and new ideas yes exactly in determining what makes sense absolutely hmm. all right so do you have a favorite resource you use most often uh a favorite resource uh I mean, I use Google quite a bit. Um, listennotes.com for those, I'm a big listener of podcasts. So listennotes.com is a great resource. It's the Google for podcasts. So I would have to say that's become a good favorite one in terms of finding out podcasts on different topics, different niches. Um, so that's something I think I bring to audiences' attention because I did not know about listennotes.com, uh, prior mm. this year. And so I think, um, that's quite a useful one for those of us that are really into podcasts for you know learning and motivation it's a great resource um to use yeah and, and very easy yeah. to use as well it is yeah and like you say it's kind of the google for podcasts um it's something i discovered probably several years ago in oh, okay. those when it was there um and they i was looking around primarily for how to get um, my podcasts onto more distribution lists and that came up as one of the distribution lists. It was a time when they didn't automatically list most of the podcasts, so you had to submit it. Yeah. So I submitted and then I thought, oh, what else is on here? Yeah. It is a pretty good search engine and they've got lots of tools now. They focus very much on, um, you know, being the place where if you want to find a podcast, that's where you go. Yes, it's really, really good. Hmm. All right. What's the best way to keep a project or a client on track? Uh, I've, I'm a big believer in regular um, regular communication. So setting up at the outset of a project, you should always um, set up what are going to be your means of having those um, you know, project client updates. Um, so setting a regular cadence and in the right format as to how that client wants to have it. Um, so it might be a quick Zoom call. Some may want to have face-to-face. -face. So having the frequency and using the uh, appropriate channel as preferred by your clients, um, but setting those regular cadences um, for those uh, communications um, is very important um, because I think I believe if you inform early and keep people in the loop, there are no surprises on, on either end, um, which just minimizes stress levels and 
helps make for a good overall client experience. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea of setting up a cadence up front. Um, you know, we talk quite a bit about setting up expectations up front, but part of part of that you're saying is set up the cadence of communication and then stick to that, yeah. I suppose. And and one of the things that I always have to keep reminding myself of um, because I often fall into this trap of oh, there's no no updates, so I won't won't bother them with a phone call or an email or whatever. Um, yet no update is actually good feedback. Yeah, right? <laughs> everything's on track. Yeah, everything's progressing along according to our plan. Yeah. yeah, nothing to report, but just wanted to let you know that. We're all good. And that's quite important, Jurgen, because remember, you know, the stakeholders that you're reporting into, they may have a number of stakeholders they need to be reporting into. Mm. And so if everything is on track in order to meet those milestones of objective, they need to know that. So um, yeah, even saying all on track on time, uh, that is still an, a very, can often be a very important uh, update in and of itself. So that's not to be taken lightly. So good point that you mm. raised. Okay, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Uh, the number one thing, um, I think you have to be authentic and be you and, and play to your strengths. So be you and play to your strengths. Um, mm. I think that's really the key. Uh, and that's something I've come through my own learnings. I know for me, speaking, and I'm going to put that in quotes, is my platform to so where I have opportunities to interact and engage podcast hosts, um, conducting implementation sessions, workshops, speaking. Speaking is my platform. That's my strength. People say my energy, my X factor comes through. So be be yourself and play to those strengths. Um, you'll go a long way. And I think that's important for small and medium-sized businesses where we have to cut through and stand out and connect with those decision makers. It's really playing, being authentic and playing to your strengths. Uh, I think that will help have that X factor that's going to resonate with whomever you're looking to connect with, um, mm. clients, um, partners, collaborators, yeah. Yeah, I love I love that you said play to your strengths and, you know, because being authentic, there are a lot of people say be yourself, be authentic. Um, sometimes that's easily said and not, not so easily done. Mm. I think playing to your strengths on top of that is, is really important and it certainly means that you have to be aware of, you have to be really self-aware, right? That, what are your strengths and some people kind of hide some of them some people aren't necessarily aware that this is what others value um, so getting really clear about that up front and then be yourself and play to your strengths yeah and that's very important and that's what i call in the book i talk about listening to you so really understanding your objectives um your priorities your strengths and, and capabilities um as the business leader and the organization as a whole Yes, it's very important that you do that internal uh, listening to you. And that's the first kind of listening I always talk about um, that we need to undertake as business leaders. Mm, love it. All right. Well, thanks, Michael. This has been wonderful. Now, where can people find out more about you, um, get a hold of the book, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Um, great. So uh, first place is my website, listeninnovategrow.com. And so that's the repository for all things SME, B2B. There's articles, videos, outlines of my services, the new mastermind group, uh, Empower. Uh, so that's the first place to go, listeninnovategrow.com. And then secondly, on LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So please reach out, connect with me. Um, I'm always up to be learning, interacting, meeting new people. 
uh, and participating in the dialogue. Great. And we'll have links to both of those places on our show notes so people can click straight through. Great. Thank you. All right. Do you have some parting advice you'd like to leave our listener today? Um, I guess the one final thing I would say is that it's very important, in a, you know, given the environment in right now, that to be making sure as entrepreneurs, as business leaders, as innovators, to be working on your growth mindset. I think, you know, there's a, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of challenges. So you need to, you know, be constantly developing, strengthening that growth mindset so that you can be, you know, positive, be taking that, you know, velocity uh, momentum, mindful, positive action. I do it through listening to certain podcasts, reading books, um, you know, so finding whatever forms uh, and sources are best for you, but making it a point to be regularly, uh, at least on a weekly basis, if not daily basis, to be working on your growth mindset. So critical given these challenging and somewhat new times that we're in. It's easy to stay positive when things are good, but we need to have that tough mindset for those days that are chaotic, stressful, we're ready to beat our heads against the wall. We don't know what we're, what's going to happen next. That's where having that strength of mindset to get us reset is very important. Mm, yeah, great advice. And and we talked again before we started recording about um, what what we can control and what we can't control. And that's definitely something you know we can work on our own mindset. We can find the resources, the people to talk to, the people to listen to, the books to read or the blogs to read um, that inspire us and, and help us with that mindset and strengthening that mindset muscle. Yes, absolutely. So great, Michael. Now, who else should I get on this show and why? Who else should you get on this show and why? Um, well, I, I actually, I have two people that names pop in my mind right now. I've got um, this Jeffrey Edwards in Canada. He um, focuses on the leadership space, um, as does Julie Hyde, who's down in your neck of the woods, Melbourne. Both leadership folks, but they take different, they've got different angles with respect to how you deal with leadership um, and some of the approaches in terms of leadership um, to really take your organizations forward and to take you forward as individuals. So those are two names that immediately come to mind when you um, ask me how, uh, two names off the spot. Those are the first two that, yeah, that pop, popped into my head. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll get introductions to Jeffrey and to Julie from you and we'll reach out to them to see whether they and, can. Okay, well, then actually, actually a third one just popped into my head as well. It would probably be um, Gareth Chandler, who is my co-author of the book. I think he would be an excellent example talking about innovation, um, in terms of the innovation he's done within his business to take it from a um, smaller SME to a large international SME. And he's done a number, a lot of things internally with clients. Um, some of the kinds of innovations I've talked about, he can really bring some perspectives from various perspectives, from the technology standpoint, innovating, working with clients, innovating his own business as well, and growing that business. So he would be a third one um, that I think would be worth definitely talking to. Wonderful. We'll, we'll add Gareth to that list as well. So we've got three for the yeah. price of one. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Michael. Thank Thanks you. for sharing your time and your insights so generously today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and there's lots of gems in there that I think people will get immense value from. So listen back again if if you're listening for the first time and um, you know, take copious notes. So thanks again, Michael. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Absolutely. And thank you again for having me. It was great fun.
I hope you enjoyed that really engaging and insightful conversation with Michael and were able to take something away from his episode. I love Michael's focus on the human aspect of marketing, even in a B2B sense, understanding the buyer group as people and what drives them. I'd love to know what you took away from Michael's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Michael Haynes. That is M-I-C-H-A-E-L-H-A-Y-N-E-S. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Michael Haynes. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Michael, as well as links to the Listen, Innovate, Grow website to Michael's social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. If you like this episode, please do share it widely with other people who it might help and tag me in on all of those shares so that I can reach out to you and say thank you in a special way. Michael suggested that we have a conversation with leadership strategist Jeffrey Edwards, with leadership people and culture expert Julie Hyde, and with the co-author of Listen, Innovate, Grow, Gareth Chandler, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Jeffrey, Julie and Gareth, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Michael Haynes. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including financial coach, trainer, speaker and columnist of The Money Panel, Catherine Morgan, and Audrey Holst of Fortitude and Flow. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember... Be awesome and keep innovating.